the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God tore the veil from top to bottom because the blood of Jesus Christ now pays for all of our sins that separates us from God. And now through the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross, now we have access to God. Now we don't have to be separated from him because of our sin, because our sin's been atoned for once and for all through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And now we can come into his presence and come into his dwelling place. Jesus really did change everything for us. In the Old Testament, the only way to get close to God, who is without sin, was to be blameless in your life or a sacrifice that was blameless. Jesus helped us do away with messy animal sacrifices. Pastor Dan further explains that the sacrifice of Jesus' life on the cross has forever bridged the gap between us and God. The Bible states that He is the Lamb slain for the sins of the world. He simply beckons us to follow Him as He prepares our eternal home today. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 21 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues, remember from the tribulation period, the bowl judgments. So one of the angels that had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to John and talked with John. And John recognized him. And you were one of the angels that had the bowl judgments. I know who you are. John recognizes him. The angel talks to John and says, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And so this angel comes and carries John up to a high mountain so John could have a bird's eye view of the new Jerusalem. So he could see the new Jerusalem descending out of heaven from a better vantage point, with a better view of it. Every major city has a prominent feature that that city is known for. Uh, Washington, D.C. has the mall, right, with the federal buildings and the museums. And when people travel to Washington, D.C., they go to the mall. That's what Washington is known for. San Francisco. When you think of San Francisco, what prominent feature do you think of in San Francisco? The Golden Gate Bridge, right? Uh, New Orleans has the French Quarter. That's its prominent feature. Well, listen, listen. The prominent feature of the New Jerusalem is the glory of God. That's the thing that stands out about this city. That's what John notices first 
about the new Jerusalem as it's coming down out of heaven. The glory of God, the glory of God shining forth from this city. That's what John sees. That's what he notices, first of all. And the glory is symbolic of God's presence. In the new Jerusalem, the glory of God shines forth out of that city because God is present in that city. And if you look at it, excuse me, it says that it shines as bright as a bright light. He describes it as clear, radiant, or dazzling. It's like light shining through a crystal. Down in verse 23, it says, The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. And the Lamb is its light. So the new Jerusalem, there's no sun or moon there to shine. We don't need the sun in the new Jerusalem because of the glory of God is there. And the glory of God illuminates it. And the Lamb, Jesus Christ, is the light of the new Jerusalem. This light, it's coming from the Lamb. And this reminds us, I think, of the transfiguration of Jesus When Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John back in Matthew 17, if you remember that story, it says in Matthew 17, as Jesus prayed, his appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And so as Jesus was on a mountain with Peter, James, and John, he he allowed his glory to shine through his humanity. And he gave Peter and John just a, just a glimpse, a small glimpse of his glory, just a little sneak peek of his glory. But in the new Jerusalem, God's glory will fill the city. It won't be just a sneak peek or a glimpse of God's glory. It will be God's glory, you know, at full power, full strength, shining in the city. And we'll see the glory of God. For all eternity, as we're dwelling in the new Jerusalem with him, we'll see the glory of God. I think of in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, wandering around in the wilderness, and they had the glory of God with them. They had the presence of God with them. If you remember, they had the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night in the midst of their camp over the tabernacle. And so they had this visual picture of the glory of God. And I've often thought, you know, if any of the children of Israel, you know, just at night, if they ever just kind of stood in the door of their tent and just looked out at the pillar of fire there, you know, just to stand there, there's the presence of God with us. Well, listen, you and I will be in the new Jerusalem and we'll see the glory of God. It'll be the light of the new Jerusalem. We'll be dwelling there in his presence and in his glory. We'll be there with him and we'll get to see it. Well, now, verse 12, John begins to describe the new Jerusalem, and he begins with the exterior of the city. He begins with the walls and the gates of the city. Now, think about that. (laughs) The new Jerusalem is so amazing that John tells us about the walls of the city and the gates. In a few verses, he's going to talk about the streets of the city. In this world, we typically don't talk about the streets of a city unless the streets are lousy in this, right? Like we talk about the potholes in the city. But there in the New Jerusalem, John is blown away by the streets. He's blown away by the walls. He's blown away by the gates. And he just, let me tell you about the gates. Let me tell you about the wall. Man, you're not going to believe the streets they've got there in the New Jerusalem. I mean, that's, 
It doesn't say much about the rest of the city. He doesn't even give us details about much on the inside of the city. But he's just blown away by the walls and the gates and the streets of the city. That's how grand it is. Verse 12, also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And so the New Jerusalem, it will have a great high wall. And this wall speaks of the security that we have in Christ, the security of our salvation. Our salvation is secure in Christ. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18, we're told that in the New Jerusalem, we will call the walls of the city salvation. And we will call the gates of the city praise. Your walls are salvation. Your gates are praise. The walls of the city will remind us of our salvation in Jesus Christ. And that our salvation is secure in Christ. And the gates of the city will remind us of the access that we have into the presence of God now because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so every time you go through that gate into the new Jerusalem, you're going to praise God. You're going to praise Jesus for your salvation. You're going to praise Jesus for your redemption. His walls are salvation. His gates are praise. And we're told that there's 12 gates in the wall of the city. There's three gates on each of the four walls of the city. Uh, Three to the north, three to the south, three to the east, three to the west. And we're told here that there is an angel stationed at each gate going into the city. Now, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, God expelled them from the Garden of Eden. And then God placed an angel with a flaming sword at the entrance to the garden. It says, so that they would not come back in and eat of the tree of life. And so the guard was there to keep them out so that they would not come back in and eat of the tree of life because their relationship with God was broken by sin. They were separated by sin. And God didn't want them to come back in, then eat of the tree of life in their separated state and remain in that state forever and ever. So he had this angel there to prevent them, to keep them from entering into the city or into the garden to eat of the tree of life. In the New Jerusalem, angels are placed at each gate, not as guards to keep people out, but as greeters to welcome people in, welcome home. So they're going to be there and just welcome us in to our heavenly home, our eternal home, the New Jerusalem. And notice in verse 12, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel are written on the 12 gates of the city. In Jerusalem today, when you go to the old city of Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem still has a wall around it, and there are different gates to get into the old city of Jerusalem, and those gates have names, the Joppa Gate, the Golden Gate, the Lion's Gate, and so on. Well, in the new Jerusalem, there will also be gates, and the gates will also have names, but they'll be named after the 12 tribes of Israel. So you'll have a Reuben Gate, and a Simeon Gate, and a Levi Gate, and a Judah Gate, and so on. And the 12 gates are named for the 12 tribes of Israel. You should note that, that God has not cast away his people Israel. You see them recognized here in the New Jerusalem and eternity. 
And then look at verse 14. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And so just like your house is built on a foundation, the walls of the city are built on 12 foundations, 12 layers to it. And on the foundations were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So you've got the names of the 12 apostles written on the 12 foundations of the wall. So you've got the 12 tribes of Israel, and you've got the 12 apostles here in the New Jerusalem. So you've got both the Old Testament and the New Testament represented in the New Jerusalem. I love that. I think that's great. So now look at verse 15. This angel who is speaking to John, he, he begins to measure the dimensions of the New Jerusalem. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Now, again, with cities in this world, we tend not to care about the measurements of a city, right? Probably none of you, unless you work for the city of Baltimore, you probably don't know the square miles of Baltimore, right? We don't care. We don't care how big it is square mile-wise. The New Jerusalem, they do measure it. And the reason they measure it is because its size is so extraordinary. Its size is so noteworthy. It's the kind of thing that when you see it, you would say, how big is that city anyways? And so there's an angel that he's got a measuring rod, and he's going to measure the city, and he's going to give us the measurements of it here in verse 15. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. And now he's going to give us a description of its measurements. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, its length, breadth, and height. Notice that, and height are equal. And we don't measure the height of cities. We measure the, the length and the width, but we don't measure the height. But in the New Jerusalem, they measure the height of the city because the height is significant. The height is unusual. And we're told here that the New Jerusalem will have an equal length and width and height. So try to picture it here if you can in your mind. The New Jerusalem, it has an equal length, an equal width, and an equal height. The New Jerusalem, it's a cube. It's a cube. The New Jerusalem is in the shape of a cube. It's also, listen, listen, it's also in the shape of the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, later in the temple. The Holy of Holies is in the shape of a cube. It has the same length and width and height. And if you remember from the Old Testament, in the tabernacle later on in the temple, the Holy of Holies was where the presence of God dwelt, in the Holy of Holies. And here you have the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem is the true Holy of Holies, where God literally, physically dwells. 
the tabernacle holy of holies was just a copy of the heavenly. This is the real. The new Jerusalem is the true holy of holies. Its, its dimensions form a cube. And if you remember in the Old Testament times, in the tabernacle, later in the temple, they had the holy of holies. And there was, remember, there was a curtain, a really thick curtain that separated the holy of holies from the rest of the tabernacle and the rest of the temple. And then outside of the tabernacle and outside of the temple, there were different courtyards. And you could only come so close to the presence of God because God is holy, we're not. God is perfect, we're not. And so you couldn't get too close to God. You had to stay a distance from him. You had to be separate from him because we're sinful. And there was this curtain that prevented you from coming in to the presence of God. And there were all these courtyards around the temple that you could only go so far, depending on who you were. The priests could get the closest. The high priest once a year could go into the Holy of Holies on one day of the year, the Day of Atonement. And he could offer blood to atone for the sins of the people. And that was the only time anyone ever went into the presence of God and went behind the curtain into the presence of God. Everybody else had to stay outside a safe distance away. But if you remember when Jesus was on the cross and he cried out on the cross, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. And what happened? The veil of the temple was torn. And it says it was torn from top to bottom, not bottom to top. Somebody didn't go into the temple and tear the veil. God tore the veil from top to bottom because the blood of Jesus Christ now pays for all of our sins that separates us from God. And now through the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross, now we have access to God. Now we don't have to be separated from him because of our sin, because our sin's been atoned for once and for all through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And now we can come into his presence and come into his dwelling place. We can enter into the holy of holies because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So the new Jerusalem, it's the holy of holies where God dwells. Now, in the Psalms, Psalm 27, verse 4, David says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold, to just gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. David says, there's one thing I've desired in my life. One thing that I've always wanted, and it wasn't to be king, and it wasn't to be a giant killer, and it wasn't to be the psalmist of Israel. It was to just dwell in the house of the Lord and to be in his presence and to gaze upon his beauty. And listen, listen, we're going to do that in the new Jerusalem. We're going to dwell in the house of the Lord. We're going to dwell in the presence of God. We're not going to just be able to enter into it once a year. We're going to live there. We're going to be living in the new Jerusalem. We're going to be living in the holy of holies. And I hope you're excited about that. <laughs> Again, it's a cube. And we're given the measurements here in verse 16 of the city. It's, it's 12,000 furlongs. You guys know what a furlong is, right? <laughs> no, you don't. Of course not. 12,000 furlongs is about 1,500 miles. And so this city... And this is why it gives us the measurements, because it's so impressive in size. So it's going to be 1,500 miles long on one side of the city, 1,500 miles wide on the other side of the city, 
but also 1,500 miles high. And that's something. Now, just to give you some perspective to try to picture that, that's roughly the size of the moon. So the New Jerusalem is going to be the size of the moon. In fact, if you were to shave off the rounded edges of the moon and make the moon a cube, the moon actually would be smaller than the New Jerusalem. So we're talking about a city. It's a city that is the size of the moon that has both length and width and height to it. Now, we we don't have any cities like that. (laughs) We've never seen a city like that, a city the size of the moon. Now, some Bible teachers speculate because it gives us the measurement of the height, and there's a reason why we're told the height of it that must be significant. It must play a role in this. Otherwise, it wouldn't tell us that. So some Bible teachers speculate that since it has height to it as part of the measurement, that perhaps the New Jerusalem has levels to it or stories to it. You know, like maybe a skyscraper type thing. But my point is, there's plenty of room in the New Jerusalem for all of the redeemed from all of time to live. 20 billion people will occupy only 25% if everybody has this big, vast estate to live on. There's plenty of room. Look at verse 17. He measured its walls, 144 cubits. The walls are about 216 feet high according to the measure of a man that is of an angel. And what that means is that the man's cubit is equivalent to an angel's cubit, which I think is just an interesting fact there. It's, you know, the angels aren't on like the metric system and we're on whatever. The construction of its walls, verse 18, was of jasper and the city, look at this, was of pure gold. But the gold was like clear glass. So the whole city is made of pure gold, but it's transparent gold. And again, remember that the glory of God is shining forth out of this city. It's going to shine forth through all of that gold. And the foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. And remember, there's 12 foundations, and each foundation has a different precious stone on it. The first foundation was jasper. The second layer was sapphire. The third was that word. The fourth was emerald. The fifth was sardonyx. The sixth, sardius, and so on and so on. All 12 layers. Twelfth is amethyst. So every layer has a different precious stone. It's made of a different precious stone. So you've got this whole city now, the size of the moon, and it's made of transparent gold, and it's got these 12 different precious stones in the foundation, and at the center of it, you have God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you've got the glory of God shining forth from the center of it through all of that transparent gold and all of those precious stones, and just amazing, amazing. It's interesting that gold and precious stones are so valued in this world, but in the world to come, they're building materials. They're, they're concrete and cinder blocks. In the New Jerusalem. Stuff you get at Home Depot in the New Jerusalem. And again, you've got the light of the glory of God shining forth and coming through all of the gold and the different colored stones and just this magnificent display of beauty and this explosion of color and brilliance. Again, nothing like any any city we've ever seen here. He asked me how I know and I say 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Revelation, and he has more to share with you next time. How is your heart doing as you listen to these teachings about the future? If you're in need of prayer for any reason, would you be willing to give us a call and talk with us? Our desire is to hear your heart, pray with you, and ask for God to help you with whatever might be weighing on you. Our number is 410 410- 491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to learn additional things from the culminating final book of the Bible, Revelation. Pastor Dan has much more to share from this book, and we're excited for you to join us as we continue learning and growing, appreciating what God wants us to see from His Word. We hope you'll tune in then and be a part of our listening audience. Continue searching for what God has for you to see here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that cry. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.